are in a series entitled, This is Our Story. We're going to be in this series actually for a little while because we're going to still chart through the stories of the Bible to try to capture what really is the story that was being told. What is the story that we have inherited? And today I'm going to share um, a little bit differently. I'm actually going to open this thing, which is not um, unusual, but actually having the physical thing in my hand is a little bit unusual for Spark. And the reason is because of what we're going to be talking about with Joshua and what he commissioned the people to do and to be committed to. And I'd like to sum it up with the phrase, let us be strengthened. But that phrase is in English. I want to teach you the Hebrew phrase because it sounds really cool and it has a lot of depth of meaning. The Hebrew word for strength is the word chazak. And if you notice, what is the H with the dot underneath it? That's the ch. Everybody say ch. Now there's two Hebrew letters. There's ch and there's ch. Please don't get them mixed up. This is the, this is the guttural ch. Chazak. Everybody say chazak. And this is going to be a clarion cry for us, a cry for us as a church. I'm going to be doing a little bit different. This is uh, going back to my uh, roots as a pastor, good old-fashioned sermon preach. Chazak. Everybody repeat after me. Chazak. Chazak. Venit. Chazak. 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 Venit. Chazak. In Plain translation, strength, strength, let us be strengthened. Strength, strength, let us be strengthened. Or sometimes it's translated, be strong, be strong, let us be strong together. There's all sorts of different ways and nuances, nuances for which that phrase could possibly be translated. And I'd like to share some of the background and the history from the book of Joshua, why this phrase is so important and how it can be deeply relevant for the place and the space and the context that we find ourselves in. One more time. Chazak, chazak, venit, chazak. Over this series, I've attempted, we have attempted to share with you that you are part of a grand story and that you are not just reading about the story, you are actually participating in the story as a character, not just as a character, as a main character in the story, that you get to take up the mantle of the chapters and the verses that were written for millennia and you get to live that out, and you get to write new chapters. In this day and in this age, you get to do that. And in this message, I'd like to expand that definition from not only are you a part of this story, but you cannot be a part of this story, really, unless there is a we in this story. Because the book of Joshua takes the next step after Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy, after establishing who are we as a people, and sends them off into the conquest, what is sometimes known as the conquest, into the promised land. And what is necessary is for these people to figure out, how do we continue to live this next chapter? But it's never about you and you alone. It's always about we and us. And so... I hope that you find by the end of the talk and the sharing that we have today that you recognize just how critical your participation is, not in coming to church. That's the kind of an old, condemning, shameful, why aren't you in church kind of a thing. No, no. You see how important it is that you participate in the body of Christ. You participate in conversation, in relationship, where you get to know one another and share space, and you share sentiment, and you share emotions, you share joys and tragedies together. So, real quick summary, all the way starting with chapter 1 through chapter 4. 
chapter 1 of Joshua begins with the death of Moses and the commissioning of Joshua as the next leader. Now, the word Joshua actually is the word Jesus. Yehoshua is the long form of the short form Yeshua, which means God's salvation. So there's going to be a lot of connections that I'm just going to have to skip over every now and then. I'll be like hyperlink, and then you'll need to go and look at that and check that out in a little bit. After Joshua is commissioned as the leader, there is this phrase, this segment that is stated to the people. And it is bumper stickerish. It is written on walls. And three times in this opening chapter, it says, be strong. The word chazak. There's that word chazak. Be strong. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey. There's always these beautiful images and pictures in Hebrew. Don't turn from it, either to the right or to the left. Very visceral, very concrete, very picturesque. To the right or to the left. Meditate on the book of the law, day and night. There's actually this ancient commentary that suggests, okay, if this is really true, I want you to figure out a time that is neither day nor night, and then you can go study Greek wisdom. Which, if you think about it, means there's no time to study Greek. I mean, this is how serious they took this. And then it ends, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Oh, man, how these words, written so long ago, have such relevance and pertinence today. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. The Lord your God is with you. This three phrase, this three times that it's repeated in Joshua, is what emerges into chazak, chazak, venit hazek. Be strong, be strong, let us strengthen one another. Three times. Be strong, be very strong, be strong. In the Jewish tradition, this has been stated, this has been uh, come into tradition to be recited at the end of the reading of a book. Let's say you come to Genesis and you get to chapter 50 and you end. After you finish that reading, the congregation stands up together and says and recites, everybody with me, chazak, chazak, venit, chazek. Be strong, be strong. Why? Because that Joshua phrase says, be strong, be strong, be courageous, by meditating on the book of the law. Think about what the teachings are that you have been handed down. So if you come to the end of the study, think about those teachings, be strong in those teachings. And then, because there's all sorts of beautiful commentary, this has also evolved to mean, this isn't just about you in your own Bible study, this is about we together in a community. Be strong, you be strong. Second time, be strong. Deepen your strength. That's where the very comes from. Third time, be strong. You are saying it to everybody around you. We all need to be strong. Chazak, chazak, venit, chazak. And this is what it means. It's not just try to be a good Christian. It's not just I, ha- I cannot sin today. It's, it's so much bigger than that. It pulls in once again. I mean, I feel so repetitive. It's pulling in huge themes. Book of the law, the story of Moses, 
the covenant of Abraham. When I'm telling you to be strong and to be strong and to strengthen one another, I'm asking you to recall in your mind the strength of Abraham, the strength of Moses, the strength of Miriam, pulling in all of those things. What is the Israelites' response? They say this, all that you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send, send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. And your response is? Exactly. <laughs> I, I read this, and I just started laughing out loud. Just as we obeyed Moses. Does anybody remember their story? How did the Israelites obey? They didn't. <laughs> So once again, you are set up at the very beginning of this story with a great paradox and a great irony. Be strong, be strong. Oh, we will. Don't worry. And then what ultimately happens? They don't. Now, there are some wonderful, beautiful stories that happen throughout Joshua. They send in the spies. They find Rahab, who is a prostitute or a harlot, however you want to define that word. And she is not a woman of good repute. As she, however, even despite that, becomes a righteous person and helps the Israelites out. She actually lies on behalf of Israel and is honored for that move. As a result, the Israelites find their strength. They take the ark, they march right into the Jordan River, the waters part. Well, the waters actually pile up upstream. And so there is this beautiful miracle that happens. Joshua sets up 12 stones on the bank and then sets up 12 stones in the middle of the river. Say, look what God has done. After they come out of that river, there's a circumcision because there was a whole bunch of people that were born in the wandering of the desert that did not fall under the covenant of Abraham. So they did that ritual. It's really funny when you read it because it says circumcise the Israelites again, as if there's an again. Anyway, sorry, maybe, never mind. Cut that out of the podcast. <clears throat> then they celebrate Passover. And when you read the beginning chapters of this story, what does that sound like to you? Waters that part so that people can cross over. The Ark of the Covenant being leading the people into the land, setting up 12 stones like Moses set up 12 stones on Mount Sinai. Once again, this story is pulling in huge themes. Just like I liberated you out of Egypt, just like Moses led you to the promised land, so now what is happening here is pulling in those same themes of liberation, of being born again. And don't ever forget that this covenant that I've made with Abraham still holds true. My love for you, my grace for you, my favor for you still holds true. A lot of people come to Joshua and they read about military conquest, and absolutely we need to talk about that. That's one of the tensions that we need to wrestle with. That's part of the reason why we had Pete Enns here a couple years ago to talk and wrestle through what is it about these military conquests. But if you read the story through the lens of of narrative. If you read these passages through the lens of story, you see, wait a second, they actually may not be describing military language. They might actually be describing covenant using military language. I'm going to get to that in just a second. And here's one of the reasons why. In the next chapter, there's an angel of the Lord that shows up in this famous conversation. And Joshua bows down to the ground and asks him this one question. Are you for us or for our enemies? Which is a good question to ask if you are a military commander. But what does this angel say? No, I am captain of the Lord's host. Now come. 
Don't miss the significance of this statement. Because so many of us have grown up or have read Joshua about military conquests. And this comes into the story to say, yes, we're going to talk about conquest. But the angel of the Lord shows up and says, I am not for the Israelites conquesting. And I'm not for their enemies. I am here because there's a different battle to be waged. I'm here because there's something deeper more profound, more beautiful than just going in and taking somebody's city. And we see that play out in the rest of the coming chapters. Chapter 6 is the famous blowing of the trumpets. The Israelites do nothing. They play trumpets. They play music, and the walls fall down. They are in favor with God. But the next chapter, there's a guy named Achan, who steals some of the booty, hides it in his tent, and all of a sudden the Israelites are plagued, and they die as a result of his actions. Success is followed immediately by failure. Again, we will follow you exactly as we followed Moses. No, there is this tension between this battle. Some things work out well, some things don't work out so well. Once again, as a result of somebody not obeying, not listening, not being strong. Chapters 8 and 9 have this Wonderful story of the Israelites conquesting again. They take I, but then the Gibeonites hear about them and say, whoa, <laughs> I think we should make friends with them. Uh, we've seen what they can do. And then chapter 10 comes along where they find their battle with the uh, Amalekites. And there's this famous story where the sun stands still. Yes, some of you know this. And for years and years and years, I've thought about this uh, because you know, we are trying to figure out, well, if you go back, was there some sort of solstice thing? Was there some sort of extra day where the earth is? You know, we're, we try to do all of those things. But <laughs> the book even tells us that this isn't something that is to be taken literal. It is mentioned, the phraseology, the sun stood still, not from originally the Bible. It actually originates from a pagan source of which we don't know about. There it is. It's sitting right there in your Bible. Sun stands still over Gibeon and you moon over the valley of Ailon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. As it is written in the book of Yashar. Yashar is a word that means upright, straight, just. Very much in contrast to the beginning of the book where he says, don't turn from it to the left or to the right. This is a book about somebody who stood up straight and was continuing on in the right path. So there's all sorts of these nuances that are really beautiful. So they describe the sun, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky, but surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. And this seems to be the predominant theme coming out of this. The sun standing still is an image and a picture that God was with them. That is what they want you to know. Now, the next several chapters are all about dividing up the home. Okay, you get this part, you get this part, you get this part, you get this part. Hey, what about my part? Okay, fine, we forgot about you. You get this part. And these chapters are sometimes challenging for us because it is about conquest. It is about taking the land from a couple people. Um, there are these passages that seem to suggest that the Israelites just slaughtered everybody. There's a hyperlink 
there's a couple things that we need to consider. First of all, the Canaanite culture, we know from past passages from Deuteronomy as well as other passages in the prophets that these were people that were sacrificing their own children uh, to the god Molech and others. And so the kind of corruption that was there may be a significant reason why God is telling the Israelites, do not intermingle, don't even mention their names, don't even participate. This is not my design and not my plan for you. The other thing to take into consideration is if you read the narrative carefully, there are other passages that suggest that the Israelites took some of the women and the children from the people that were conquered as their family. And you can't take them as their family if they have been slaughtered. So a lot of commentators suggest that the slaughtering of the Amalekites as well as the other Canaanites is absolute hyperbole to make a point. Now, there's still a lot of things to be challenged with, but I just want to hyperlink that because that's also part of how we think about the narrative. This story is trying to write something bigger than just about the slaughtering of the people. Chapter 20 comes along and they build cities of refuge. Those are places where, hey, I accidentally killed somebody. I need to go and make sure that I'm going to be safe. So, All throughout that story, up until this particular point, I know I went through that very fast. If you read carefully, there's these ups and then these downs, these successes and then these failures. There's this purity of covenant, and then there's this failure to obey, like a Khan who hides the gold and the booty in his tent. This narrative isn't so straightforward. This story isn't so clear about the Israelites are the good guys and the Canaanites are the the bad guys. And it's absolutely clear that the Lord is not for Israel or for the Canaanites. He is for himself. And the Lord is for something much bigger, much more profound that we will get to right here. As we have seen before, the book of Joshua ends in chapter 22, 23, and 24 with some phraseology that sounds vaguely familiar. After you have gone through the emotional ups and the downs, the churning of what was right and what was wrong, the conquest and the slaughter, and then the defeat and the failure, at the very end, after all this, my friends, he repeats, be very careful to keep the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you, to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commands, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. That sounds like Deuteronomy, the Shema that many of us know. Wait a second, after all of this, after you have actually succeeded through all sorts of tumult and turmoil, God is reminding his people, be careful, be very careful. Keep the commandment. Keep the law of Moses. Love him. Walk in obedience to God. Because after you come through something like that, it is very easy to turn to the right. We succeeded. We're all that and a bag of chips. Or to turn to the left. We're a failure. And now we're nothing. No, 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 no. Hold fast. Chapter 23. But you be, there it is again, chazak. Very strong to observe faithfully. All that is written in the book of the teaching of Moses without ever deviating. There it is again, to the right or to the left and without intermingling with these nations that are left among you. Do not even utter the names of their gods or swear by them. Do not serve them or bow down to them. Hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. 
The beginning of the story of Joshua opens up with be strong, be strong, be strong. The end of Joshua, after all that, ends with be strong, be strong, be strong. And the thing that ties it all together is the book of the law. And the next chapter, he starts once again with Abraham, Nahor, Esau, Isaac, Moses. He's telling the story again. Once again, this isn't just about be strong and try to be a good Christian, be morally upright and stop sinning. No, no, no. Be strong means remember the story from which you came. Remember the love and the covenant that God has given to Abraham. Remember the love and the covenant that God gave to Moses and to Noah. Remember that. That is what you are to be strong in because it's so easy to turn to the left and turn to the right and to think that God is on your side. No. The point of the Joshua story is for us to get on his side. Now, at the end of this, chapter 24, there's this another famous passage from, from Joshua, which is, Choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Which is beautiful. Again, I don't want to take anything away from this. But I want to deepen this. As for me and my house, my children, my community... We are going to serve the Lord. This statement comes in the context of don't forget the love, the grace, the covenant, your story, the narrative, and the role that you now play. Because it's so easy, so easy to turn to the left or turn to the right. There's this beautiful ending They set up a stone, and the Israelites say, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. The stone itself is set up. It's a ritual by which the Israelites remember, we have made this deal. We have made this covenant. This story is about Israel's identity. Who are you ultimately? This story is about Israel's success and failures, and this story is about How in the world is Israel going to live now that they've entered into this land and they are surrounded with all these other people, all these other ideas, and their own psychology of their conquest and all of their failures? And the book opens and the book ends with this phrase. Say it with me. Chazak, chazak, venit, hezek. And whether or not you turn to the left or whether or not you turn to the right or whether or not it's day or whether or not it's night, Be strong. That's what he's saying. Be strong. And observe this. The story. The book. The teachings of Moses. My friends, my encouragement, my sermon, my preach is in this day, Christianity and the faith of Jesus, just in recent American history, including European and further spreading to African and South American history has had a lot of successes and a lot of failures, a lot of conquests, a lot of defeats, a lot of things that have gone right, and a lot of things that have gone wrong. And we find ourselves now here in this place. However you evaluate the status or the role or the reputation of Jesus in this world, And I'm going to suggest to you that this Joshua story is oh so relevant because the military conquests are the perfect analogy and picture for us. That's what we've been through. We've been through a big fight over a lot of different things. 
One of the authors that I'm hoping to have come has written a wonderful book called Moral Combat and the Fight for All Sorts of Ethical and Moral Things in the Public Sphere. And after all of that, it feels so deep to me that we need to remember this. Chazak, chazak, v'nit, chazak. All of us, together, we must be strong and be faithful to observe what is written in the book of Moses and in those teachings. And here's the key thing, without ever deviating from it to the right or to the left, and without intermingling with these nations that are left among you. <laughs> Do you know how easy it is to, to go from the left? Left to the right, successes or failures. Left to the right could also mean logic, science. I've got it all figured out. To the other side, it could mean experience, esoteric involvement, feeling emotionalism. Okay, to the left or to the right? And then, of course, to the left or to the right. Don't ever deviate. To the left or to the right. And without intermingling with these nations. It has been my conviction, I... I personally don't know how to process some of this stuff, but when I started reading Joshua again, this feels so pertinent to the body of Christ and who you are as a follower of Jesus because the temptation to deviate to the left and to the right is really, really strong. It is so tempting. And may I remind us of a quote that has been here before from our wonderful author, Leanne Lamott, you can safely assume you've created God in your own image when it turns out God hates all the same people that you do. And Sky Jitani has written this wonderful little book, What's Wrong with Religion? And he talks about people turning Christianity into the thing that feeds them, that they can control. And he suggests that this is why many religions talk about love, but they struggle to actually live it. And it is into that context I would love for us, starting with my own heart, chazak, chazak, v'nit, chazak. Be strong, be strong, and let us strengthen one another in the teachings, in the love of God, in the story that has been told and has been passed down. A couple more hyperlinks. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. This comes at the very end in Ephesians chapter 6 where Paul is commissioning the Ephesians. If you read that, read what he's saying be strong in. He's using military language again from the Roman garrisons, from the Roman soldiers, but he's saying be strong in faith, love, and the spirit. And he ends that passage with the word of God. That's what we are to be strong in. Jesus says, or there's this passage, hold fast to the Lord, that, that Hebrew word davek is a beautiful word that simply means to abide or to remain, which sounds so much like John 15. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Same word, same phraseology. It feels like Jesus is pulling in the same thing. Hold fast to me. And then later in John chapter 15, this is what that means. I am love. Because the Father has loved me, so now I have loved you, so now you must go and love one another. This, my friends, is what it means to be a radical Christian. This is what it means to be radical. Radical is a Latin word that means to be rooted. And when we are strong, 
it means that we will not deviate to the left or to the right, but we will continue in loving God, loving our neighbor, loving our enemy. Be strong, my friends. I told you I was going to get a little sermony. This is, I was feeling passionate about this. Be strong. This world desperately needs a faith expression, a Christian expression that is strong. And when we hear that word strong, we think, we're going to win. We're going to conquest. And the angel comes and says, I'm not for you. Be strong in the story. Be strong in the Torah. Be strong in the teachings. Be strong in what you have inherited from Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Deborah and Huldah the prophetess. Be strong in that. Three quick things at the very end I'd like to share with you of how this has worked out in, uh, in my life. Danielle and I have been youth pastors for many, many years, and for many years, let me tell you something, it's exhausting. You go out, you stay up, you do this thing that no sane person would do, they're called lock-ins. You stay up late at night, you get hit in the face with balls and rockets, you eat horrible food, you go home at nine in the morning, no, don't, don't, be, don't be cheering that, Miss Tina. No, no, Pastor Tina. That's, no. And it's just tiring. In addition to that, there's criticism. You're not a real pastor. You're a youth pastor. I mean, this is some of the culture that some of us grew up in. This gentleman is Mike Iaconelli. He's the founder of Youth Specialties. And every single year, uh, we would go to the National Youth Workers Convention. He's famous for saying things like this. The truth shall make you odd. I love things like that. And we would show up at the National Youth Workers Convention, and he would stand on the stage and say, in front of thousands of youth workers, stand up if you have spilled juice or food on the, quote, Jones Memorial Carpet. And we were in a room with a bunch of people who also spilled food on a carpet that was sacred to that particular church, and we were finally in a place where there were a whole bunch of Stand up if you have wrecked the church van. And, every, and people would be standing up all over the place. You know, stand up if you set your building on fire, you know, and two people would stand up, you know, all sorts of things. And you, every year, I will tell you, every year we would show up and to be in a room with a leader such as him as well as others that would say, you matter, your work is important, you're making a difference, go out and love the snot out of those kids. And we would leave that conference <sighs> strengthened. January 30th, 1956, in the height of the civil rights movement, in the height of the, boy, uh, the bus boycott, somebody bombed MLK's house. Many of you know this story. What is so amazing and fascinating and brilliant and inspiring, and the reason why we have a day dedicated to this man, is because he comes back from the meeting that he was at, and he gives this speech. Don't get panicky. Don't do anything panicky. Don't get your weapons. If you have weapons, take them home. He who lives by the sword will perish by the sword. Remember, that is what Jesus said. We are not advocating violence. We want you to love our enemies. I want you to love our enemies. Be good to them. This is what we must live by. We must meet hate with love. I did not start this boycott. I was asked by you to serve as your spokesman. I want it to be known that the length and breadth of this land, throughout the length and the breadth of this land, that if I am stopped, this movement will not stop. If I am stopped, our work will not stop. For what we are doing is right, what we are doing is just, and God is with us. After his house being bombed, he's telling 
a very understandably angry mob to go and love your enemy? Chazak. Somebody who is strong in the face of that evil, in the face of one of the most painful fights in our history. Chazak. Chazak. And this is why we venerate and honorate and ultimately try to emulate people and legacies like MLK. I did ask permission. Uh, Omer and Christine have been part of our church for some time, and some of you may not know the story, but they've, uh, like many of us, many of us, have come from different traditions and different backgrounds. And we were in the height of having some conversations about what is appropriate or not appropriate for Spark when it comes to politics, culture, Christianity, and having these conversations. And let me tell you something. I will say that it is very, very tempting for any community, any church, anywhere in this context, in this season that we're in, to deviate to the left or to the right. And it is into that conversation Omer shared, you know, Christine and I have always said, we did not leave the Christian right to join the Christian left. And that statement just settled everything into my heart. Venit chazek, let us be strengthened together. Somebody in our community just pierced right through it. And let me tell you something, I share that because that seemed to be very pertinent for this particular message and came to mind when I was thinking about this. But all of us, at some particular point in my journey, which is why, <laughs> which is why Danielle and I love this community so much, at some particular point has been that voice to remind us, chazak, chazak, venit, chazak. Be strong, be strong, strengthen one another in the story, in the love, in our ultimate purpose, in our ultimate identity. Oh, we are going to be tempted, my friends, to deviate. We are going to be so tempted, and it's going to be seductive, and it's going to pull on us really, really hard. But that, I can't believe that. So then I must go over. Chazak, chazak, venit, chazak. Be strong, my friends, be strong. Let us strengthen one another. And this is why we come. This is why we love this community. Is because when we feel pulled, we are here together to do this. One more time, my friends. Chazak, chazak, venit, chazak. And that is our story. Our story is a group of people, a long legacy of people who have come down this line very tempted and often failed. And they went to the left and they went to the right and they went up, they went down, they did all sorts of things. Some of them, like Jesus and his followers, were strong and held firm, loved, rooted themselves in this story and this gospel, and I encourage us to do the same. Amen? In closing, I've asked Pastor Marcus to share um, a benediction um, from the book of Ephesians because he has also been another voice in my life for somebody who has um, been strong and reminded and strengthened, uh, strengthened us. So, if you would actually please stand and I'll ask Marcus to speak the benediction over us.
For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that has worked within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.